You already know what time it is. Welcome back in to the NFL with AJL. Episode 17. We are live on a Tuesday night, a little bit after 7, but you already know you could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're right here tapped in live on episode 17. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, wherever you're at. Please like the stream, subscribe on YouTube. You already know about the QR code in the corner of the screen. That's every bit of our content. If you can't scan that, at the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. Please make sure to leave us a podcast review. It definitely helps out. I want to come forth and say thank y'all so much, as always, for the love on social media. YouTube's going crazy. Y'all are loving the Falcons content. We got more of it tonight. NFL Mock Draft 2.0 with one trade in there. I was supposed to work some more in, but we're going to have a few more of those coming up. We're talking about the Atlanta Falcons acquiring Jeff Okuda. They now have A.J. Terrell and Jeff Okuda, the two top corners, I believe, on those big boards walking into the 2020 NFL Draft. OBJ has signed with the Ravens, and you already know we're getting into the best running backs in the 2023 NFL Draft, so don't go anywhere. Make sure you get in the chat. Let me know what you think about the show tonight. As always, you can call in 678-480-8716. Call in and debate on the NFL with AJL. 678-480-8716. Episode 17. Get in the chat. Subscribe. Get at us on social media. And let's go ahead and get into this show because we've got some news going right off the top. Just broke yesterday. The Ravens, are they desperate with this move with Odell Beckham Jr.? They bring him in. And now he has been signed to a one-year up to, I believe, $18 million deal with $15 million guaranteed. And let's go ahead and get into the nitty-gritty before we start throwing out the opinions and the analysis of everything that is going on with what is the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and now they bring Odell Beckham Jr. into this situation. So the deal is worth up to $18 million and includes $15 million guaranteed for Odell Beckham Jr., according to Adam Schefter. Of course, they've been in contact with Odell since last year a little bit, and of course, they met with him just a couple of weeks ago, according to reports at the annual meeting. Odell is just a little over 30 now, or excuse me, he is 30 years old, broke the news on Instagram on Sunday night, excuse me, so not yesterday, on Monday. This comes just a month after Lamar Jackson requested a trade from the Ravens. Remember, he wanted that trade around March 2nd. They tag him a few days later, and now... Odell Beckham Jr. is a wide receiver with the Ravens. Marlon Humphrey was going back and forth with him on Twitter, so they were definitely excited to get him in the building. But now Odell is going to be stepping into what is maybe the worst and the most unproven passing offense over the last few years, wide receiver room over the last few years. You look at Odell, when he first came into the league, we know what he did. I mean, first few seasons, averaging about 100 catches, averaging about 1,350, 400 yards, excuse me, 1,350, about 1,400 yards, 12, 13, and 10 on the touchdowns as he comes in. And then the ACL injury comes in, and then the leg injuries come in, and then the ankle injuries come in. And we know that Odell fell off. But as he came into the league, we talked about it. Maybe Odell is one of the best, and he is one of the best that we've ever seen. But the best availability Excuse me, the be- the best ability, Lord, is availability. Let me get my words correct. But this is going to come as a shocker to a lot of people. And so, so let's ask a question of how bad is this Ravens passing offense really? Well, in the wide receiver room, there's eight receivers. Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, Devin DuVernay, Tylon Wallace, James Prochet II, Andy Isabella, Mike Thomas, and Shamar Bridges. Shout out Shamar Bridges. I actually interviewed him on my time with Petty Sports when we were doing the Petty Sports Black 
venture. And shout out to Andy Isabella as well. I know you got on a friend's podcast of mine also. None of those guys have never had a thousand yard season. Now let's take it into context. Of course, some of them haven't been there long. They haven't got that right role. They haven't been in that spot to step in and get the thousand yard season potentially, right? Odell Beckham Jr. has five 1,000 yard seasons in his career. Baltimore has ranked last in the NFL in receiving yards by wide receivers in three of the last four years. And I want to say the only team in the one year that they didn't do it, it was 2019, 2020, and 2022. 2021, I want to say, was Zach Wilson's rookie year. The Jets were dead last in the NFL in passing yards per game and especially with yards by a wide receiver now the crazy thing is is you see you know sammy watkins get in and out of there a little bit of a michael crabtree at times you know a couple years ago hollywood brown gets traded on draft night and that was a big shocker to me i didn't really expect that to happen and i knew that was going to be a major major hit for lamar jackson as well and i i I hated to see that happen obj was talking about maybe going to the bills possibly the cowboys Um, you never know who he was going to be out there with because he was with the Rams. And now we're talking about the Ravens overpaying massively for Odell Beckham Jr. Again, 18 million on the contract, 15 million guaranteed. And Odell Beckham Jr. has not played a full season in quite some time. I just want to make sure I have it correctly. So again, when he was healthy, played 12, 15, and 16 games in 2014, 2015, 2016, gets hurt 2017, he plays four games. 2018 and 19, he plays 12 games, and then he plays 16 games in 2019, like I mentioned. So he was back to himself. First year in Cleveland was in 2019. He had 74 catches and 1,035 yards and four touchdowns. Um, Excuse me. Okay, so 2020, we have the Cleveland Browns with Obel Beckham Jr. I think this was the year that Baker Baker Mayfield actually was – starting to take that leap where he had the lightning in a bottle of about seven to eight games and OBJ was only there for a little while. And then I believe he got hurt that year as well. So he had 23 catches for 319 yards and three touchdowns. 2021 Odell only played six games, 20 or excuse me. And then when he went, excuse me, in 2021 in total, he played 14 games, six with the Browns and then eight with the Rams. Of course, some said that he might have been the Super Bowl MVP, but he's 30 years old. He's going to be making $15 million guaranteed. He has not played a whole lot of football ever since the injuries have happened. And we've known him to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a drama queen. We have known Eldell Beckham Jr. to cause some problems potentially. And that's why we've seen certain teams move off of him. We saw Baker Mayfield wasn't the Baker Mayfield that he fooled everybody into for two or three months in the NFL until Eldell Beckham got out. So Now the Ravens, and again, they had the worst passing offense over the last few years. Three of the last four years, worst passing offense with a guy like Lamar Jackson. Knowing that Hollywood Brown wasn't being used correctly or wasn't consistent enough, Mark Andrews is doing everything he can within that system. Um, But still, you know, being being dead last in passing yards by wideouts and passing offense in the NFL. Uh, It's it's very interesting. It is very interesting. Very interesting that the Ravens turn this way and make this move. Again, just a little few, few more numbers. Caught five touchdowns over eight regular season games with the Rams and two more in four postseason games. Combined, he had 48 catches for 593 yards in 12 games in a Rams uniform. That was the regular and the postseason. Before he was released by Cleveland, he had 17 catches for 232 yards and no touchdowns in six games for the Browns, of course, before going over. So I put all that out there to say we know Odell Beckham is not going to be one of the healthiest, 
one of the most consistent in the NFL right now. We know what he used to be before, but we're not talking about before. This is now, and especially for the Baltimore Ravens. So this is just, again, this is a little disheartening as you look in on this with the Lamar Jackson situation, but you also look in on it for the situation of the Ravens as well. So why did they overpay for Odell Beckham? It's clear that they were desperate for a wide receiver. I had them, I believe, in both of my mock drafts now that I've done. They're taking a receiver in both of those aspects, even with bringing in OBJ. You can't bank on the health. But the thing is, they also overpaid for Roquan Smith, who got, I believe, $60 million guaranteed at the linebacker position. And now they overpay for a wide receiver that's coming off of two ACL injuries. But... To make things even weirder, Lamar Jackson and OBJ are seen partying at Club Live in Miami, absolutely living it up. So does this mean that Lamar Jackson has to be coming back to the Baltimore Ravens? I don't see with the way that they paid the the with the way that the Ravens paid OBJ and with the way that the passing offense has been bad. I don't see you bringing in OBJ for Tyler Huntley, or maybe if you shock the world and trade Lamar on draft night and you're picking up Anthony Richardson or, or, or maybe Hendon Hooker or whoever else you might try to swindle into taking Lamar to steal a quarterback in this draft. The Odell move feels like it's for Lamar to come in, and, and I really hope that it is because, again, Lamar Jackson going through this with no agent, one of the oddest situations we've seen in the NFL, big-time superstar, not having a big-time agent. Drew Rosenhaus personally invites him on the Pat McAfee show live on YouTube and says, come out here, we'll get you a deal done, we'll represent you, and we can make these things happen. So bringing in Odell feels like it's a lure in for Lamar, but I don't think Odell was the best available receiver. The money is definitely unattractive. I'm not, not digging the money at all with this contract. You could have went and spent that money on a wide receiver or excuse me DeAndre Hopkins potentially who's on the market right now you could have looked into other targets that are healthier than Odell Beckham Jr. really the DeAndre Hopkins move that to me feels like a surefire move you signed DeAndre Hopkins okay we absolutely know that Lamar is coming back and I know again we saw OBJ and we saw Lamar partying in the nightclub together living it up very very happy so that there was was really the indicator that Lamar is going to be coming back but now the question is when does he get signed? Is he going to look into hiring an agent? Does he get an agent? Again, wh- wh- when does he get signed? When does the deal happen? It's it's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of parts, but I don't know. I, I again, I, I feel like Lamar is happy about it. Clearly, again, they were they were partying in the club, but to know that Roquan Smith got paid beforehand, to know that a wide receiver got paid beforehand, and yes, Lamar did turn down the deal. I think it is on Lamar Jackson for him not being paid. And now this is another piece of the situation, which, again, Lamar more than likely going to be a Raven. We just have to wait it out and see what the contract will um, unfold. Lamar's contract, OBJ's contract, how things are going to unfold for the Ravens in general. But you guys tell me what you think about OBJ now going to the Baltimore Ravens. Did not expect him to go here was hoping he maybe went to a team that felt like more of a Super Bowl contender than where the Ravens are right now. Michael Darby comes in and says, Lamar is probably pissed that they would guarantee $15 million to an injury-prone 30-year-old for one year and not commit to him long-term. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it is on Lamar for not being signed yet because he did turn down a deal that I think was very fair, put it out on YouTube considering what was going on with Lamar Jackson. And my baby, Taylor Marley, says, I love the new intro music. Thank you. Don't know if y'all realize it. I'm sure y'all did. Changed it a couple times. Definitely trying to get the awesome energy 
going for the show. Again, y'all get in the comments. Let me know what you think about OBJ signing with the Ravens. Was it the right move? How do you feel if you're a Ravens fan? Does this mean Lamar Jackson's actually coming back? I think we're going to see Lamar back. Unless you grossly overpay and then you let Lamar Jackson uh, get away, which would be absolutely horrible then your fan base is probably jumping ship. You're probably going to be having bandwagon applications put in like crazy to leave the team, not to join the team. So this move really does make you feel like that. Lamar Jackson is going to be coming back, but let's get into something that I have recently found an obsession for. And I really didn't know how many mock drafts I was going to do Before the season started, I wanted to try to make it go away a little bit, but y'all see it. It is what it is. Let's go ahead and get into the AJL Mock Draft 2.0. If you're watching on YouTube, you got the graphic over here to my left. If you're listening to it on the podcast, of course, I'm going to go through every pick, back it up. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and fire it off. And with the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the 2023 AJL Mock Draft 2.0 will be Bryce Young, Quarterback out of Alabama, Bryce Young, instead of C.J. Stroud going number one overall in this draft for me, we've heard in the reports that Bryce Young is the pick. And if I had to think of a reason why, he's very talented. He does have no more of that, you know, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen type of thing to work off script and makes things happen. A little better than C.J. Stroud, in my opinion. He is smaller, but knowing that Bryce Young won the Heisman, knowing that Bryce Young did not have four first-round wide receivers to throw to like C.J. Stroud did. Seems like he can make a little more happen out of nothing, and it's definitely going to be a good bit of nothing until more free agency moves happen and and the draft happens for the Panthers. So Bryce Young, number one, which will mean C.J. Stroud, number two overall. I've seen some drafts where the uh, Texans are not even taking a quarterback, which is very, very confusing to me. Davis Mills is not it, unless for some reason you think he is, which he doesn't show anything on tape to be a franchise quarterback. So C.J. Stroud at number two overall, my personal favorite in the NFL draft. Now, here's where my draft gets crazy. I wanted to load this one up with trades. I used a different format, but nonetheless, this was the one and only trade I pulled off here. I had the Commanders jumping up to three, trading their first and second of this year and first and second of next year for the number three overall pick with the Arizona Cardinals. So the Cardinals will now move back to the 16th pick. We'll get at them later on. And with the craziest move of the NFL draft, Anthony Richardson is the third quarterback off the board ahead of Will Levis, ahead of ahead of a Hendon Hooker, ahead of whoever else you think should have been taken ahead of him. Eric Bieniemy is now the offensive coordinator with the Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera is more than likely going to be on the way out of there soon. Bieniemy is going to step in as the head coach, and we know that Washington's offense has a lot of nice pieces. You bring in a guy like Anthony Richardson who you can mentor behind Sam Howell, maybe let him get his feet wet a little bit. It is going to be a risky move, but the main reason for this move, one, I wanted to shake up the NFL draft because it's a mock draft and we really never know what's going to happen. Nothing is necessarily a lock as much as we want to think it is. Eric Bieniemy is going to want Anthony Richardson with the prototype, with as being young as he is. Ron Rivera as well can be a player's coach, can mentor guys up. Wild trade, I know. The only one that's happened in this draft, again, we're going to have more mock drafts coming, probably about four or five total. I hear my dog scratching on the door. Y'all give me one second. Come on. Come on. Yep, it's the mock draft. Let's go. Yes. Hang on. Yes. Yes. 
What you doing? What you doing? All right, y'all. We're back. She always, I'm pretty sure I've told y'all this before. She has to be in here for every show. Uh, my little brother's out of town. She sometimes likes to go and hang in his room for a little bit, but she was like, nope, dad, I'm still here. I want to make sure I'm so OCD. Give me a second. I want to reposition, reposition myself. Boom, boom. I think we're good. Look at the camera, the camera refocusing. All right. Awesome. Wait a second. Oh, I'm, I'm so OCD. Can y'all tell? I got to like make sure everything is prim and proper and good to go. All right. So Anthony Richardson, number three overall to the commander's wild trade. I know, no doubt. Now we go to the number four overall pick will be Will Levis. And I want to say he was the number four overall pick to the Texans, or excuse me, to the Colts in my last draft. This could be one, though, where the Colts could trade back. They are one of the teams that I think maybe um, – or not could trade back. Maybe they want to jump up even more because they don't want to settle for a Will Levis, or Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson. Would the Texans maybe budget to? Maybe they have their eyes on a Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Nolan Smith. You don't really know. But Will Levis fitting the prototype again for Frank Wright at number four overall to the Colts. Number five, the best edge rusher, in my opinion, in the draft over Jalen Carter, which a lot of people think is the best player in the draft. I think Will Anderson is better. I think I have a stronger argument that Will Anderson is a better player than Jalen Carter and um, potentially the best player in the draft, really maybe behind Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I mean, Will Anderson tears it up. It'll be great for Seattle. I believe they did need some trench work and just some young players on that defensive line. So we're going to have Will Anderson at number five overall to the Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> not the Colts again. Wait, never mind. Yeah, stay tuned, man. Stay tuned. A lot of these mock drafts coming, and um, I got a whole another 20-something picks out of us here. At number six, just like they took Aiden Hutchinson last year, I took a big look at the Lions' stats for them defensively. They had a horrible passing defense. They had one of the worst defenses in the league. It was bad passing, bad rushing, bad for the points. They take Aiden Hutchinson last year, who had a pretty solid rookie year. He was he was worth the pick. They get Jalen Carter here at the number six overall pick to put with Aiden Hutchinson. I believe I'm also going to have them taking another defensive line. I'm in a so overall, we number one, CJ Stroud, number two, the commanders trade up to number three to grab Anthony Richardson. They want to mold him. They know he's a very raw player, but nonetheless, the enemy and Rivera see something. They know Sam Howell is not it. Number four, Will Levis. He fits the regime perfectly. Number five, Will Anderson, edge rusher to the Seahawks. Number six, Jalen Carter. And I guess I'm just here to destroy the Raiders franchise because I'm here making yet another silly pick for them. But I could see this happening. They're going to take Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee, with the number seven overall pick. So that is going to give us five quarterbacks in the top seven draft picks. So far, Hendon Hooker will be with the Las Vegas Raiders. They know Jimmy G is not going to be the answer to carry. That's what Derek Carr did, as I mentioned before, Jimmy G. I think it could look pretty ugly with the Raiders, and maybe they could even be picking higher next year. Everyone's going to roast me. I know some fans agree that they're going to botch it. They're like, oh, Lord, maybe they take an O-lineman. They're going to take because they do need a quarterback. And, and again, I think the Raiders would be another team to trade up because they know Jimmy G's not going to be it. Jarrett Stidham, I believe, also left as well. He's the backup with the Broncos. So Hendon Hooker, number seven, they're going to take a chance on him. And again, Hendon Hooker coming off an ACL, but he was very, very solid. I believe if Hendon Hooker does not get injured, he beats Alabama clearly in that game. 
if Hendon Hooker does not get injured, I believe Hendon Hooker is realistically picked here with no craziness involved and maybe even picked in the top five. Maybe we're looking at five straight quarterbacks off the board in the top five. At number eight, the Falcons will complete that defensive line rebuild. They just bring in Jeff Okuda today. It would be crazy to see them draft Nolan Smith, an amazing edge rusher. I'm a lot higher on him than most people in this draft. I love his speed. His size could be better. Some people are saying maybe he's kind of like a linebacker in a way because he's so efficient. I think running a a sub, was it a sub 4-4? Or was it a sub like 4-5? Somewhere in like the mid 4-4s. Nolan Smith flying though. Out of Georgia, going to stay right in his backyard and get drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. Wesley, you think the Titans are taking an offensive tackle? Well, you'll just have to wait and see, sir. On to the next set of picks here. (coughs) Excuse me. Looks like you were right, Wesley. The number nine overall pick to the Chicago Bears. If there's one thing that's a lock in this draft, the Chicago Bears have to take an offensive lineman to protect Justin Fields. Ryan Poles has spent some money well. Justin Fields, I love as a quarterback, not looking to move off of him yet. So they take Paris Johnson, get him real comfortable with an Ohio State guy. I was also mentioning maybe Jackson Smith and Jigva at number nine way earlier before mock draft started when they traded back. If they traded back to nine, give him a comfortable Ohio State wide receiver. So Paris Johnson at number nine to the Chicago Bears. Got to protect Justin Fields. Number 10, the Philadelphia Eagles making a splash move at the number 10 overall pick, taking one of the best players in this draft in Christian Gonzalez off the board. They lose C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They're luckily able to keep Bradbury and Slay. A little Got a little tedious there with Slay, but again, when I had them taking B. John Robinson in my first overall draft, down at the 30 the thirty position, I believe. I thought that was reasonable. It's a splash play. One of the best players in the draft. You just lose Miles Sanders. I think with you just losing a safety in C.J. Garner-Johnson, you bring in Christian Gonzalez, young guy, blazing speed, best corner in the draft. I don't think anyone would complain if that were to happen. Ooh, Bruns goes, I think Hendon Hooker is going to be more successful than Anthony Richardson. Early on, Yes, possibly. The the ACL, of course, is really, really hindering him, and I hate to see that a lot. But when you do have Anthony Richardson and his athletic ability, sorry, I was reading a comment, his athletic ability clearly outweighs Hendon Hooker's, but he's so inaccurate, literally. Out of 45 FBS quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson was the 45th most accurate quarterback in the country. Absolutely horrible. He's going to have to get that cleaned up. But if Hendon Hooker did have a better career than AR-15, that's something we'll have to keep on tabs, Bruns. I'd like to I'd like to keep that going, see how far these guys go. Number 11, Wesley, you were right. Broderick Jones, tackle out of Georgia. Taylor Lewan is a free agent. Wesley, tell me how you feel about that in the comments, too, really quick. Can't believe that Taylor Lewan is actually a free agent, and they're going to take Broderick Jones to supplement SEC lineman out of Georgia. We know Georgia back-to-back national championship, protecting Stetson Bennett helping those running backs perform well, helping that Georgia offense being the foundation. You're never going to go wrong with a pick like Broderick Jones. Number 12, edge rusher Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech to the Houston Texans. You can never go wrong with a great edge rusher. The Texans need an edge rusher. I don't believe they have any real true defensive presence. Now, I want to say I, I I can't remember before the fans jump at me. I can't remember if it was offensive or defensive line, but one of them was a lot better than I thought. But being here at number 12, they're going to have C.J. Stroud. So they're going to go ahead and take Tyree Wilson at number 12, Ed Rusher. Number 13, Peter Skaronsky, who I originally had going number nine overall to <clears throat> 
to the Chicago Bears is now going to be a New York Jet at number 13. This is where I originally had Broderick Jones going as well, but Peter Skaronsky will be a New York Jet at number 13. Offensive lineman, excuse me, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Some say this is the best lineman in the draft. You really can't go wrong with Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky again out of Northwestern. Shout out my guy, Guru's Film Room, who does NFL content. He says you get your guys out of the Big Ten and uh, you get your offensive linemen out of the Big Ten, you are not going to go wrong, which I hope they're in the Big Ten. I believe Northwestern's a Big Ten. Someone might just destroy me if they're not. (laughs) All right, Patriots at number 14. Devon Witherspoon, second best corner in this draft. I believe I put Devon Witherspoon at number two. Yeah, okay, cool, cool, did. Um, Devon Witherspoon at Illinois being next to Sidney Brown, that safety out of Illinois as well. But the Patriots going to take their best player available as they're looking at it right here. No moves for them in this NFL draft. Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois, defensive back to the Patriots. Miles Murphy, number 15, a really nice pick. One of the better edge rushers at Clemson. I'm lower on him in some of my drafts. Some people have him great. Some people have him going top 10, maybe even top eight, which I think is a little steep. I wouldn't take a Will Anderson. Of course, I would not take a Jalen Carter or a Nolan Smith even over Miles Murphy, but coming out of Clemson, can't knock him for what he did. He's clearly in these draft boards at the positions that he's at for a reason, and Green Bay is going to enjoy an edge rusher here. Another edge rusher going right behind him. This is where Carolina, excuse me, Arizona falls back in the NFL draft. They take the first and second of this year from Washington, the first and second of next year from Washington as well. Lucas Van Ness, Goes number 16, edge rusher out of Iowa. Again, a little lower on him in my drafts. He is a good edge rusher, no question. And the Cardinals are going to need a nice edge rusher. And again, best player available, falling back to number 16. So the NFL draft shaking out with Lucas Van Ness at number 16. Before we hit our first break of the show, Bryce Young 1, CJ Stroud 2, Anthony Richardson 3 in a trade with the Commanders jump up to number 3. The Cardinals fall back to number 16. Will Levis, number four, to the Colts. Will Anderson, number five, to the Seahawks. Jalen Carter, number six, to the Lions. Hendon Hooker, crazy pick, number seven, to the Raiders. Nolan Smith staying in his backyard, going to the Falcons at number eight. The Falcons complete that defensive line rebuild and just the overall pushing all the chips into the middle of the table for that Falcons defense. God, can y'all slow down on getting better in the division because you're going to make it to where these games are now competitive, but that'll, that'll be another conversation. We're talking Falcons defense later here. Number nine, Paris Johnson, Jr. O lineman out of Ohio state will go to the Chicago bears. Bears have no choice, but to take an offensive lineman there. Christian Gonzalez, number 10 to the Eagles, Broderick Jones, number 11 to the Titans, Tyree Wilson, number 12 to the Texans, Peter Skaronsky, number 13 to the Jets, Devon Witherspoon, number 14 to the Patriots, Miles Murphy, 15th to the Packers and Lucas Van Ness, 16th overall to the Arizona Cardinals and let's take a small break here so we don't get fatigued on the show this is the NFL with AJL episode 17 wherever you're listening please make sure to drop a like on the stream I appreciate the the love on social media and YouTube a ton y'all are blowing up my page on YouTube Instagram TikTok Facebook everywhere's going well please subscribe on YouTube hit the bell that'll make sure on YouTube that you never miss a post if you also check out the QR code here 
right there on the screen. If you can scan that, it's every bit of podcast content. Make sure to leave us a review on podcast platforms and get at us on social media. Follow me, DM, comment. Love to engage with you guys out there. And also, if you can't scan that at the NFL with AJL on all social platforms, if you can't find me, you're simply not looking hard enough. And as always, we are sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional real estate needs, looking to buy a home, sell a home, or invest in real estate. Make sure to get at them on social media at Buy and Sell with AJL. Drop your email to get on their real estate newsletter every month. Get the true update on the market. See the successes that they're having in their business, helping out buyers and sellers in one of the most confusing times in real estate. And if you want to get in a little on some AI, with some property addresses, getting a property price. Maybe it's a house, again, you've seen it, drove past it 15, 20 years, and it's always sat there. Maybe it's the prettiest house on the road, and you know it's never been sold, but you want to know what it's worth. Drop your email, drop that address, and they will get the price, how fast it can sell, and how many houses in the area would compete with that. Everything a seller needs to know. Episode 17, we are locked in on the NFL with AJL. This is the Mock Draft 2.0. Pick 17 through 31 coming up now. I think that's the Steelers at the top, number 17. I have a logo or a little time over. Yes, it is. Steelers at number 17 are going to take Joey Porter Jr. They are going to supplement that Cameron Sutton loss to the Lions. The Lions, of course, when they get, uh, or excuse me, when they sent Jeff Okuda out out to the Falcons, really could have been a byproduct of Cameron Sutton coming in from the Steelers. So Joey Porter Jr., they take a replacement there instead of an O-line like I did in the laugh draft. Kalijah Kansi, instead of going to the Patriots, he falls a little further. Lions going defensive line again because they could not stop the run last year. So you're going to have Aiden Hutchinson, Kalijah Kansi, and Jalen Carter sitting on that defensive line with Alex, Alex Anzalone behind. At the linebacker position, miss him for the New Orleans Saints. CJ Gardner-Johnson at the safety position. And then they've got um, I feel like they had a, a a better corner for some reason. I don't know. I'm probably thinking of Okuda who just got out of there, but Kalijah Kansi at number 18. Here's a big pick. Bijan Robinson at number 19 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know we're going to be wondering why are we going to take Baker Mayfield to hand off the football to Bijan Robinson? One of the better players and one of the best players in this NFL draft, I personally believe Tampa still has a Super Bowl team. And you're going to see in one of my mock drafts, I'm going to have Tampa, excuse me, Tampa jumping up, taking a quarterback. They still have Mike Evans. They still have Chris Godwin. And I know those guys can get hurt. They don't really have a running back presence, though. So bringing in Bijan Robinson absolutely helps. I want to say, is it Rashad Penny? That is the running back right now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They still have a great secondary. They still have Shaq Barrett. They still have... um I'm drawing a name on some of the pass rushers that they have, but we know the players that are on that defensive side of the ball for the Bucs, especially on the defensive uh, line. So Bijan Robinson, they just want to supplement that offense more. I personally believe they are still a Super Bowl roster. And number 20, the Seattle Seahawks will take Jackson Smith and Jigba, the number one wide receiver and the first wide receiver off the board at 20. After everybody tumbles in this draft in an odd way, JSN to the Seahawks at 20, keeping Geno Smith in that good quarterback conversation, having DK Metcalf. I think some people, and, and I've seen in a lot of mocks, people are saying that the Seahawks have to take a wide receiver, that their biggest need is wide receiver. Seahawks fans, let me know what y'all think as you're watching this draft. 
I know Tyler Lockett is very inconsistent. Not only, I mean, of course, fantasy is a direct correlation to stats, but I've seen where Tyler Lockett will get 75% of his stats in five or six games, and it's like, wow, he can really fall off and show up for a game or two and then disappear for a month or a month and a half. So maybe they want to supplement that more. But it's going to be a ripple effect because two more receivers straight will come off the board. Zay Flowers at number 21 to the Chargers because they need a wide receiver. Another thing that I feel like is a lock, if there's if, if there are, I guess, a few things that are locked, in this draft first and second picks are going to be quarterbacks the bears have to draft an offensive lineman at number nine and i don't know where the chargers go other than a wide receiver at 21 because mike williams is great but he's not a wide receiver one he's looking to take over that role and maybe has according to some people in the last few years because keenan allen has not been healthy keenan allen not being healthy is a reason that i believe zay flowers should go number 21 overall Maybe they should have taken Jordan Addison. And even with OBJ going to the Ravens a couple days ago, Jordan Addison will go 22nd overall out of USC, a guy who had a kind of a shaky combine but ended up playing out well. Jordan Addison, number 22 overall to the Baltimore Ravens. OBJ does feel nice coming in, I guess. Rashad Bateman, eh. Devin DuVernay, eh. Shamar Bridges is a great player. Needs to get some more playing time, though, and that will happen as his career goes on, of course. So Jordan Addison, a stud here for the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if it's Brian Breeze, Brian Breesey, Brisey, whatever the case is. Number 23 overall to the Minnesota Vikings. Nice edge rusher. Maybe should have went a little higher. Now I see Kalijah Kansi way up there, but the way the draft falls with some of the positions, maybe you could see Brian Breeze up a little higher. But nonetheless, 23rd overall to the Vikings at number 24. We are going to have, I'm not going to lie, I can't even see this. I'm going to have to click and zoom in. Deontay Banks. Okay, the, just the way the stream is set up on my end. Deontay Banks, number 24 overall, cornerback to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags are going to be a great team to watch next year. I'm picking up Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Again, one of the best players in this draft, one of the best corners in this draft, it's going to look very nice. Bijan to the Bucks, yeah, that one would hurt, wouldn't it, Darby? Right there with you, brother. Bijan to the Bucks would just make me cry because the Saints are. I'm pissed that they still got the 29th pick as low as it was. I feel like it definitely should have been higher. We could have negotiated for more. I wish we would move up in this draft. Who knows what I'm going to have the Saints doing in this draft because <laughs> they need some guys on the defensive line and. um Bijan coming in would just really, really make things rough for the Falcons. So Deontay Banks at number 24 on into the last few picks of this NFL draft. Jalen Hyatt will go to one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the NFL. We'll go to Daniel Jones, who just got a major payday. We'll go to a Brian Dable, who did a lot with Daniel Jones. Jalen Hyatt loved this guy out of Tennessee, showed off well with Hendon Hooker. They both played major parts into each other's collegiate career. Jalen Hyatt to really benefit daniel jones at number 25 number 26 splash play few splash plays and the nice way for the draft to break out here in the last few picks michael mayer first tight end off the board as much as darnell washington is my number one as much as darnell or excuse me dalton kincaid is literally a wide receiver in a tight end's body michael mayer at 26 to the cowboys they're looking for a nice play as well they have brandon cooks they have cd lamb they have michael gallup they do not have a running back as of yet. Tony Pollard is nice, so before y'all freak out and say they do have a running back, that's what I meant with Tony Pollard. If Bijan fell, I know some people will like Bijan at 26, but wasting or taking a first-round pick with a running back, considering what just happened with Zeke, Jerry Jones could have some of that silliness, I guess, in him, but either way, 
either way. Michael Mayer at number 26. Number 27, the Bills have to take a wide receiver. Stefan Diggs is great. Gabe Davis um, is, is a solid receiver. You know, I don't think he's what everyone thinks he is, and he is... <laughs> Okay, Saints. Yeah, keeping him in the backyard. You already know, Darby, keeping him in the backyard. Quentin Johnston, number 27, though. Got to get Josh Allen some more help. I know that the Bills would maybe like to trade up and get a better receiver in this draft. Don't know how much they would actually deal for it. But Quentin Johnston to the Bills at number 24 overall. Bills, I'd like to see them maybe get Jalen Hyatt or, you know, for some reason, a, a Jordan Addison did fall to them. I just, I don't see that happening. There are some good receivers in this draft. Quentin Johnston. Wide receiver out of TCU, Bills 27. Osiris Torrance, because the Bengals need to still protect Joe Burrow, they did bring in some offensive line help last year, but I think they were still 10th or 11th, uh, most sacks taken in the NFL at that point. So Osiris Torrance, maybe taking a little high for some of you, but a solid offensive lineman out of Florida. To the Bengals at 28th overall. B.J. Ojolari is also going to stay in his backyard, just like Nolan Smith stayed in his backyard with the Falcons from a Georgia boy to the Atlanta Falcons. B.J. Ojolari from an LSU player to a New Orleans Saint. And this will be major. Again, maybe this is taken kind of higher for some of you, but I feel like with the Saints at 29, they either have to trade up more to go grab a true player of need, like maybe a Christian Gonzalez. Well, I know, I don't know. The Saints don't need a corner because their past defense surprisingly was good. They make a jump for a Nolan Smith. It'd be crazy if for some reason Will Anderson happened. I'm not saying it's going to jump that high because it would have to be really high jumps, of course, even for a Jalen Carter. But B.J. Ojolari, they're not going to see Miles Murphy. They're not going to see uh, Brian Breeze out. I'm just going to call him Brian Breeze because Drew Breeze. <laughs> Brian Breeze out of Clemson will not be here at 29, so B.J. Ojolari. The Eagles at number 30 supplement perfectly. They do not take B. John Robinson to make y'all freak out like happened in the last NFL draft. They will take the best safety in Brian. Ryan Branch out of Alabama, the most complete safety in this NFL draft. They're perfectly, not perfectly, but they're going to supplement for CJ Gardner Johnson, not uh, being an Eagle anymore. He goes on to be with the Detroit Lions. I think they take this position supplement. Great. Brian Branch, solid overall safety. My number one safety in the NFL draft. And then at number 31, Josh Downs, wide receiver from, or excuse me, wide receiver out of North Carolina to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know the Chiefs don't necessarily need a wide receiver one. They did lose Juju. I'm not going to say necessarily need a wide receiver one because some people don't believe they do. Juju did just leave. Of course, Tyreek Hill left the year before. There are going to need some be some targets that really need to be implemented with this Kansas City Chiefs team. At this point, with the Ravens now picking up OBJ, I don't see how the how DeAndre Hopkins does not go to either the Chiefs or the Bills. And I think if the Chiefs are really aggressive with it, maybe even trade this first overall pick, I would trade, maybe call me crazy, I would trade the number one overall pick at 31, given I just came off a Super Bowl winning season. I would give that number one throw overall pick potentially to the Arizona Cardinals who are looking to offload him for, I think, maybe a fourth or a fifth, or they're maybe even looking to cut him. But he's got one of the biggest cap hits in the league in DeAndre Hopkins and one of the biggest wide receiver price tags out there. Y'all let me know what you think about this NFL draft. I'll cycle back through it real quick. Some of the highlights, Bryce Young, one, CJ Stroud, two, Anthony Richardson, three, Will Anderson, fifth. Hendon Hooker, 7th. Nolan Smith, 8th. Christian Gonzalez, 10th to the Eagles. Really like that. Miles Murphy, 15th to the Packers. I'm a big fan of that. 
Cardinals take the 16th pick when they trade back with the Commanders, go 16th overall with Lucas Van Ness. Joey Porter for the Steelers, very solid move. Bijan to the Bucks to spice up the NFC South. JSN at 20 to the Seahawks. Three straight receivers, JSN, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison at 20, 21, and 22 to the Seahawks, Chargers, and Ravens, respectfully. And then we go on towards the end of the draft. Brian Branch, the best safety to the Eagles. Josh Downs, wide receiver to the Chiefs. Some people say the best tight end of the draft will now go to the Cowboys. Michael Mayer, 26. Jalen Hyatt, 25th to the New York Giants. So that's going to conclude the NFL with AJL's mock draft 2.0. You probably thought I was going to end the episode there, but no, we got one more topic to get into because the Atlanta Falcons will just not let up on this NFL season. And shout out to you guys for really showing me some love on the Atlanta Falcons content, whether it's the shorts, especially on YouTube. My two biggest videos, two of my biggest videos right now are Atlanta Falcons content. Y'all, please make sure to like the stream wherever you're at. Subscribe on YouTube. The QR code will give you every bit of social media content. Get at us on there. Please leave us a review on podcast platforms at the NFL with AJL on all platforms. And we're sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide real estate needs. Make sure to contact Buy and Sell with AJL. And now let's go ahead and get into the last, is it? Wait a second. No. I thought, ha, look at me. I am just extending like crazy, aren't I? Yeah. So I still have Jeff Okuda and I have the best running backs in the draft. I was about to get out here. I was like, is this show flying or what? Yeah. I still got to talk about the best running backs in the NFL draft as well. But like I mentioned, the Atlanta Falcons will just not let up. Might as well just be a Falcons podcast now. Yeah. I know you were dying to drop that line, Bruns. Yeah. There you go. Let you and Fred and. Justin and and all y'all over there have it. I know y'all love the Falcons. So the Falcons are going through a complete defensive makeover. And I just want to get these numbers here real quick because I know it will bring it into perspective of how bad the Falcons defense really has been over. Let's see how bad. Okay, here we go. How bad the Falcons defense has been. Um, we'll just say over the last 10 years, just for a realistic look back, but we'll even go, uh, since from the Super Bowl as well. So the 2016 season, Jeff Okuda was traded to the Atlanta Falcons for a fifth round pick, or as my boy, Steven Bruns just said, might as well have been a Falcons podcast for a pack of cigarettes, a fifth round pick for the number three overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft that some people thought the Falcons were going to take. They lose out on Jeff Okuda, end up taking A.J. Terrell with the 16th overall pick. So now you have Jeff Okuda and A.J. Terrell directly next to each other, two of the best defensive backs in that class. And of course, Detroit did not get much return on its investment as Jeff Okuda was only dealt for a fifth round pick. Number three overall pick out of Ohio State. You look at his first two years, they were really, really marred with injuries. He missed seven games in 2020 and then all but one game in 2021 because of a ruptured Achilles. We know the Achilles can completely take you out. And once you do come back, it doesn't even feel like you're the same player if you are at all. But you look, he he did rebound to start 15 games last season, set career highs with 73 tackles, seven passes defended, got his second career pick and also his pick six. Now, like I was mentioning earlier, the Lions did pick up C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, um, 
cornerback Emmanuel Mosley and Cameron Sutton, safety C.J. Garner-Johnson. So maybe Jeff Okuda felt expendable at this point. They weren't going to necessarily need him, considering they did just bring in those people, like I mentioned, especially Cameron Sutton. So now Jeff Okuda is going to be with the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons are just so committed. Before I get into these numbers, the Falcons are just so extremely committed to their rebuild right now on the defensive side of the ball. Again, Calais Campbell, Jesse Bates, Caden Ellis, David Onyemata. Y'all are flaming me for the last video for saying that Grady Jarrett was a B to a C player. I was a little harsh saying he's a C player. I'm still going to stick on the fact that he's about a B minus to a B player. Yes. He's one of the better defensive tackles in the league, one of the better defensive linemen in the league. But I think at times he can be hit or miss. And I know some can say, oh, well, that's with every player. No, absolutely not. I think that Grady Jarrett could be more consistent with pass rushing, with getting sacks, with just getting pressure to the quarterback. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Grady Jarrett. He is a great player in this league and played a very vital role for the Falcons when they went to the Super Bowl, just like a linebacker like uh, by the name of Deion Jones did. I think the Lions might go quarterback at six now that they traded Okuda away. Christian Gonzalez at six would be crazy. I will say that because that's who you'd have to take at six going that high. I definitely believe that Christian Gonzalez would have to be the one taking at six if they do go defensive back. But again, the Falcons have just, I mean, for years, especially since the Super Bowl, no real rushing defense until last year. Definitely no passing defense. We saw games where they gave up 400 plus, 500 plus, 600 yards in an NFL game. I remember in one game where Matt Ryan throws a pick six against the Texans. They lose the football game and the Falcons gave up like 600 yards of offense that day. And I know it's been some of because of injuries. I think a lot of it has been just because of lack of talent, not great scouting, not great coaching. And and I've always been one to stand on the pedestal and say that coaching matters, matters, matters. Coaching absolutely matters in the NFL. And when Dan Quinn left, now he's doing great things on the defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys, wasn't doing great things in the head coach position, but he was that D.C., and I wish maybe that Dan Quinn wouldn't have got that HUD coaching job and he would have stayed in the defensive coordinator position, would have let Kyle Shanahan continue to be the OC or maybe go to head coach now that Kyle Shanahan has had some success with the Niners because Dan Quinn really kept that defense nice at, at certain points. And then, or no, I think Dan Quinn was hired as the head coach, excuse me, straight out with the Falcons. Of course, he came over from that legion of boom. But let's let's really dive into how bad the Falcons defense has been. And let's just look since um, they lost the Super Bowl in the 2016 season. So they had the first and second best offense that year, but they had the 20, they had the first offensive points, second offense in yards, but they also had the 27th defense in points and the 25th defense in yards year after the Super Bowl. They lose the divisional Matt Ryan, of course, is still here. They're 15th in points and eighth in yards on the offensive side of the ball on the defensive side of the ball. They were 25th in points and 28th in yards. So again, when you have a Matt Ryan, when you have a Julio Jones, when you have a Devonte Freeman, when you have a Tevin Coleman at times who are tearing it up in these seasons with the Falcons, but your defense can't do anything. In the season after that, so I'm guessing 2018, yes, 2018, they were 13th in points, 5th in yards, but again, the defense, 23, 23rd in points, 20th in yards. Year after that, 16th in points, 18th in yards, when Calvin Ridley was really doing his thing, when Todd Gurley showed up in Atlanta for a second, 16th in points, 18th in yards, 
but they were 19th. Uh, that was for the offense, but they were 19th in points and 29th in yards for the defense. 2021, 26th in points for the offense, 29th in yards for the offense. This was a rough one. They also have the 29th in points for the defense and 26th in points for the offense. And then last year, 15th in points, 24th in yards on the offense, 23rd in points, 27th in yard on the defense. So a lot of late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, late 30s on these defensive ranks for the Falcons. I mean, again, going back to the Super Bowl year when they lost the Super Bowl, 27th overall defense in points, 25th overall defense in yards. Year after that, when they lose the divisional, I think Julio Jones drops that pass against the uh, Eagles in the corner of the end zone. They were eighth in defensive points, ninth in defensive yards, with, of course, Dan Quinn still as the coach. But after that, they've only had a 19th overall defense once, and their defense is consistently, again, 28th in points, 20th in points, 29th in points, 26th in points, 27th in points, or excuse me, yards, and then for points, 25th, 23rd, 19th, 29th, 23rd. So I know it's a lot, but it, it just goes to show you that the Falcons have not had a good defense for a long time. So they're 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 going all in. They're pushing their chips all in. If there has a, ever been a bigger rebuild on one side of the ball in one season in recent memory, it's this Atlanta Falcons team. I mean, no question about it. We remember last year when the Chargers were coming in, stealing a J.C. Jackson, um, you know, stealing a Khalil Mack, everybody that they did deal with, everybody that they stole. We were like, look, they're the best team on paper, and their defense was absolutely crazy. We've seen where Tampa and all of that one season, Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown. I mean, they're just pushing everybody and they they sign. Um, I think JPP might have came over for one year. I don't I don't explicitly remember all of that. But, you know, we see these chips getting pushed all the way in. The Saints did it with Drew Brees. Yeah, y'all love how I get the Saints reference. I have to drop the Saints reference while I'm giving the Falcons so much praise. When the Saints pushed all the chips in with Drew Brees, unfortunately it didn't work out and they mortgaged the future and we're kind of seeing them still pay for that some. The Falcons are pushing all the chips into the middle. They are going all in. It is a full send on the Atlanta Falcons defense, and I'm proud of Atlanta. Genuinely, as a fan who sits in the division, who loves bullying them, who loves having the shit-talking rights, they are going to have now Jeff Okuda coming in. I think he's it's just going to fall in line for Atlanta. You're going to have Jeff Okuda. You're going to have A.J. Terrell. You're going to have Caden Ellis. You're going to have Grady Jarrett. You're going to have David Onyemata when he's there, and you're going to have Calais Campbell, who's a veteran. You're also going to have Jesse Bates and Mike Hughes on the back end. I mean, this, this team has got to be good. This Falcons team is going to be solid, at least on the defensive side of the ball. And like my boy Fred said earlier today, and also shout out to Bruns, this just puts all the more pressure on Desmond Ritter. All the more pressure on Desmond Ritter because now you're going to have Desmond Ritter throwing to Drake London. Who knows who the Falcons take at number eight overall if they don't jump up or move back. You've got Kyle Pitts. Tyler Algier is a stud. Maybe the Falcons are looking for O-line at eighth. Who knows? Not really sure again where they're going to go. I have them taking Jackson Smith and Jigman in my first mock draft. Nolan Smith in the second mock draft. Excuse me. I believe defensive line would be the best pick for them at that eighth position overall. But, uh... I'm proud of the Falcons. Seriously, way to rebuild the defense, way to get in there, way to just commit to rebuilding one side of the football because we know in the NFL, yes, having a middle of the pack defense or maybe even having a defense that is 15th or not 15th, that's middle of the pack. Let's say a little below the middle of the pack, like 20th to 23rd. That could be good enough to win you a Super Bowl. Yeah, again, Atlanta, best offense in the league, but one of the worst defenses in the league the year they went to the Super Bowl and lost. So Falcons defensive makeover, 
They're pushing their chips all in. Falcons fans, get in the comments and let me know where will your defense rank next year? How is the passing defense going to look? How is the rushing defense going to look? How many sacks do you expect to have? You want to get real technical. What's the pressure rate going to be for you guys? Falcons are going to be a solid defense next year. I said top 15 defense, but I might want to push it up and say top 10. I think they deserve enough praise and enough belief and love to be set to, to say that they can be a top 10 defense in the NFL next year. Falcons defensive makeover really shocking me transforming that side of the football. Now let's go ahead and get into the NFL draft running back rankings. I'm actually going to do five positions in this one. Got a little more committed, a little more in depth on these running back rankings for you guys. Cause I think we know that B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs are one and two consensus. Jameer Gibbs some could make an argument he's better than Bijan. I don't believe so, but what an absolute burden next to David A. Shane or Devon A. Shane as well. But let's get into the 2023 NFL draft running back rankings. And um, yeah, just rankings. <laughs> Here we go. Bijan Robinson, number one, of course. Great speed. Bijan is as close to a perfect prospect in this draft as you really might get. And again, I know I've said that there is no perfect prospect. To be very close to one, Bijan is definitely there. He's got great speed. He's very smooth, very natural to the position, running a 4-4-6, so up there in the tops of the draft, of the combine. He's a dual threat, which is a major plus at a running back. Almost feels like that has to be something that's used in the NFL nowadays. We've seen the Christian McCaffrey's, the Alvin Kamara's, the Austin Eckler's, the Tony Pollard's of the world when they need to catch passes. I do think he needs to catch with his hands more and not his body, uh, but he is a very solid blocker. He's a very smooth route runner. He does use his hands well, but I believe he could use them more and not necessarily catch with his body as much. His vision is elite. He sees the field very well. He is literally the cutback king in this draft, although some say he can be a little indecisive at the line of scrimmage, take too long to pick a lane. He won't necessarily wait for his blocks to set at times, which is something you're going to need to see out of a running back who's going to preserve themselves, really prolong their career in the NFL. But again, great vision, cutback, I mean, agile, shifty, elusive. Bijan Robinson is an amazing prospect in this draft. And I mean, Maybe if you ask me, I'm going to do a final t- like top 10 overall players, overall players, any position in the NFL draft before we get into it. And I believe B. John Robinson is going to be on there for me. And this guy just weans out of the way. Like I said, he just absolutely weans out of the way. Elusive, shifty. I would like to see him run a little lower with his pad level again to prolong his NFL career. He had the PFF college record with 104 broken tackles in 2022. He'll clearly fight for extra yards. No complaints about Bijan Robinson. His counterpart, not really, but the competition, Jameer Gibbs, formerly of Georgia Tech, now with Alabama. Absolute burner. In the three years between Georgia Tech and Alabama for the receiving side of the football, and just to show how much of a, a real impact player he was, 103 passes caught for 1,215 yards and eight scores. This guy's a burner, though. Bijan ran a 4-4-6. Jameer Gibbs ran a 4-3-6. Jameer Gibbs will outrun anyone on the field. And Jameer Gibbs, quite frankly, feels like Tyreek Hill at running back with the way he just separates from people. He catches a hole. 
he's absolutely gone. You are not going to find anyone on the NFL field realistically, more than likely, once Jameer Gibbs gets there, that's going to hawk him down. He's going to run away from anybody. He'll make anyone miss on the field. And again, also a very solid pass catcher. And for him to be a running back, pretty expansive route running tree as well. Again, complimenting 103 catches, 1,215 yards, eight scores in his three years between Georgia Tech and Alabama. Now, I do believe he has the strength to be a power back and fight for those yards in the NFL. But if he's going to be put in the system to be a power back, he is going to have to put some more weight on um, if he's going to go to that bell cow back type of system. But I think he should be used as a speed back. That's clearly his trait, 4-3-6. Not going to find many in the draft faster than him at the position, let alone in the draft with that raw talent, with that raw speed at 4 3 6 He's only going to be 21 at the time that he's drafted, so he's got a lot of his prime in front of him. The only knock that I have about Jameer Gibbs is that he's not a good blocker at all. He's not going to really help you out in the pass blocking game. He's not going to really help you out in the run blocking game. But that's not where you're going to draft him. You're going to draft him for the speed. You're going to draft him for the dual threat ability. You're going to draft him to be literally Tyree Kill at running back. You are going to draft him to be a walking one-play touchdown. This man was clocked at 22-plus miles per hour on one of his 70-yard running, 70-yard uh, rushing touchdowns, I believe at Georgia Tech. But Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson, they're very close at one and two. Like now going through the tape and really getting into these traits, raking them here in the NFL draft, Bijan is great. Um, he's just ever so lightly more shifty at the position. I think he's a little bit better of a receiver, but it's, it's, I'm a sucker for 40 times. It's not going to be like when Tyquan Thornton was blazing at the 40 times, you know, at the combine and then falls far in the draft and gets taken by the Patriots. But Jameer Gibbs at the running back position, knowing how he positions his play style again, he can be that bell cow back. I don't think he should be. He'll have to put on a little more weight, maybe change his play style, but I'm a fan of Jameer Gibbs. Now, number three, we've got Devin or Devon A. Shane running back out of Texas A&M. Of course, we got him standing at five foot eight, eight and a half inch hands, 188 pounds. He is going to be running a 4-3-2, which is in a 98th percentile for running backs in this class, but in the 31st percentile for the vertical at just 33 inches. Again, you look at him when he was really, really doing his thing over at Texas A&M. In 2020, as a freshman, he only saw eight games, 364 yards, but he did have eight and a half yards a carry, four touchdowns, no fumbles. He was okay as a receiver as well. In a junior, he saw 10 games, ran for 1,100 yards on 196 carries, 5.6 yards per carry, eight touchdowns, one fumble. As a receiver, 36 receptions for 196 yards. 2021, year before that, not bad. 130 carries for 885 yards, nine touchdowns with one fumble, 6.8 yards per carry, 24 receptions with 261 yards. And again, another burner. When you're running a 4-3-3, you're in the 98th percentile of this class for 40 times. And I was looking to a little bit of some, uh, excuse me, on some of his sprints. And, and, and really, he's not just about speed. He's really going to be able to quickly identify running lanes and explode through them when he's able to identify them. Again, he's going to be able to do that quickly also. So when he sees it being that burner 433, boom, he's going to shoot right through it. He's going to make those guys pay really be that kind of mirror that Jameer Gibbs walking one play touchdown. He's also got the patience to wait until that lane will open a little bit of some complaints that we've seen about Bijan Robinson, not knocking Bijan. And he doesn't overrun his blockers to another strength compared to 
what we were talking about with Bijan. But this guy's very elusive. I mean, very just quick pop in, pop out type of back, excellent initial burst, very good long speed. He's going to outrun a lot of people. He's going to get to that top speed quick. He turns the corner and he's gone. It's going to be, I mean, stop and start. He starts, he's he's taking off, outrunning safeties, outrunning corners, just, just making a lot of people miserable, absolutely miserable. He's got this electric, just lateral agility about him. Devon A. Shane, a-Chain, A-Chain, I think it's A-Chain, will be the number third running back again out of Texas A&M. Just absolutely electrifying, very solid hands as a receiver as well. He can also cut on a dime with just lightning fast feet, which is is not you know, not going to be surprising. He's going to kind of give you that quick twitch explosion that maybe an athletic sprinter could have out of the blocks. I mean, that's how quick he takes off. Really does remind me of that Jameer Gibbs. Very good vision, like a Jameer Gibbs as well. Going to hit that top speed quick, which is a major plus. I know I mentioned that earlier. He's going to get the angle and just really, really be able to outrun people. But he is only five foot nine, 185 pounds, and he doesn't look to be getting much heavier at his time in the NFL. Sometimes people will say he's going to bounce to the outside and try to make that big play rather than just picking his way through traffic. So this is not really going to be a bell cow back type of guy. He might not be a three down back as well. Again, his size, 5'9", 185 pounds. It could limit him to really playing that full 17-game season in the NFL. And he does run a lot of fly sweeps. He is going to do a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of halfback sweeps, a lot of halfback, you know, maybe tosses potentially. He's going to do a lot of his work on the perimeter. And that's why you can see him maybe going to the outside and not necessarily going to be able to uh, go up the middle like a lot of the running backs in the NFL need to a shane gonna be a sleeper reminds me of camara you know i kind of thought the same thing jameer gibbs kind of reminded me of camara as well bruns now that you say that because gibbs like the fact like the way they just kind of tuck their shoulders and just take off with the ball just kind of i mean like football real tucked in it's like you just know that dude is taking off gibbs and camara really reminded me of that but gibbs has crazy top speed and a shane with the crazy top speed as well he is going to be someone that is very solid in this draft, and, and people are going to appreciate, really, what he brings to the table. The number four running back for me in this draft is going to be Zach Charbonnet. Zach Carbonet, I believe. Not really sure how you pronounce it, but running back out of UCLA. He is going to be six foot, 214 pounds, running a four five three with a 37-inch vertical, so a solid athlete here. Nonetheless, as a freshman, he was in 13 games, 726 yards on about 150 carries, almost five yards a carry, 11 touchdowns, one fumble. Not much in the receiving aspect, though. As a sophomore in 2020, he only played in five games, so nothing much there either. But after he transferred to UCLA as a junior, because he used to play for Michigan, so Ashkin, 12 games, 1153 yards on 204 carries for 5.7 yards a carry, 13 touchdowns, no fumbles, 23 catches, and 181 yards. That was in his first season at UCLA once he transferred. As a senior in 2022, 194 carries, 1,358 yards, 7 yards per carry, 14 touchdowns, 1 fumble. Turned up a little bit in the passing game, 37 catches, 320 yards. But let's talk about really the play style and some of the strengths of Zach Charbonnet here. Very big, very clunky. Running in those four fives, running in those mid four fives, you're not going to be someone that, like, he can break away at the end, but he's not going to be the one to immediately do it. He's more than likely going to be going up against someone that's not going to have top end speed or or they're just not going to have the speed in general, of course, running slower than a four five. Of I think he ran a... 
four, five, three. You know, so nothing crazy. He's still going to have good speed, but he's not going to run away from you like the other three running backs that I named before him in this NFL draft will. He does have the feel of running between the tackles and in the open field, and that's where Zach Charbonnet is going to get a lot of a lot of his respect. He is that back, really, in my opinion, next to Bijan that's going to have that, okay, I'll go in between the tackles. I can work around the outside, but I am probably going to be that one, two, three down back. Maybe even bring me in on fourth down to fight for extra yards. Again, like Bijan Robinson actually will, fighting for extra yards. Um, again, here with Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA, running back on those short yarded situations. And his patience as a runner has really improved. You see him following his pool guards and just making good decisions, excuse me, good decisions on his cuts. Maybe one of the best, if not the best, you know, true like bell cow back, strong interior runner in this draft. He's going to quickly press the line of scrimmage, excuse me, press the line of scrimmage as he gets close to the line. His burst also to get through the line of scrimmage and into the second level quickly is going to be a big strength of his. This guy's very physical runner. Like I said, that's where he's going to get a lot of his respect. A lot of his respect. He actually was regularly split out wide as a senior and had a 97 quarterback rating when he was targeted with 320 yards. So he can be in that receiving aspect as well. He can track the ball over his shoulder. It's not going to be a you know a major strength of his, but he can track the ball over his shoulder. So you know some of that receiving um, aspect is going to benefit him. But again, Charbonnet is going to be your you know bigger, stockier. Go turn on the tape. He kind of kind of clunks a little bit when he runs, but he's not going to be you know too stiff. He's going to be able to run guys over. He's still going to be able to be elusive and get around guys as well. But this is going to be your guy that's really drafted for a lot of you know just. Um, really thickness at the running back position and just to be a, a very solid running back in the NFL. Now he did have some trouble with drops at Michigan, which didn't necessarily trouble him at UCLA. He did develop his names, excuse me, develop his hands in a pretty significant way after transferring to ULC, UCLA, Jesus, ULC. He does offer little in the pass protection and he doesn't have the greatest cut blocking, the greatest pass protecting, or not even the best in red blocking either. He's not going to 100% make tacklers miss. Like I said, he can get past you and maybe juke out of the way, but it's not going to be 100% guarantee like a Jameer Gibbs or Bijan or even an A-Shane that's just going to blow past you. I do think he needs to really develop a greater bag of tricks and be able to work with a stiff arm, you know, work with an outside juke, whatever the case is to really really increase his game. And again, he's fast, but he's not quick. He can run away from you at times, but he's not going to blow past you at the four, five, three speed. And then the number five overall running back in the NFL draft. Got to give love to the SEC running backs. Tank Bigsby running back out of Auburn, running a four, five, six. And when your name is Tank, you're more than likely going to play like it. Six foot, 210 pounds. Not bad. Better rushing grades than this. Really do like Tank Bigsby and what he brings forward. In 2020, as a freshman, 10 games with Auburn, 834 yards on 138 carries, six yards of carry, five touchdowns, no fumbles. Excuse me, one fumble. So not crazy amounts of fumbles for these running backs that are on my list here. 2021, he played 13 games, 224 carries for about five yards, 10 touchdowns, four fumbles out of Tank, and 1,104 yards. As a junior, 178 carries for 976 yards, 10 touchdowns, one fumble, about five and a half yards a carry. Now let's get into strengths and weaknesses for Tank Bigsby, and this is going to wrap. Episode 17 of the NFL with 
AJL. Now, Tank Bigsby is going to be a pretty good receiver with soft hands, although he has only been used as a check down option at Auburn. So he's not going to have that expansive route tree like a Jameer Gibbs, like a Bijan, even like a Devin A. Shane. But he is usable in that aspect. I do like his creativity as a runner, and that's why he does earn this spot here on my list. Kind of that jittery play style, that twitchy play style, really make sharp cuts, change direction, and just have those running back traits. Really be able to play side to side, you know, sideline to sideline between the numbers. Look out for those edge rushers, those running backs, or excuse me, those linebackers that are really starting to develop those faster 40 times and just overall better athletes in the NFL, especially in the front sevens and and in the secondary. He is going to finish his runs very well. He's going to flash that ability to get small and squeeze through traffic, to work in between the gaps, to choose the holes wisely on the offensive line. And the fact that he can beat linebackers to the edge, again, is going to be something that's going to get him draft recognition when you're out there able to beat a linebacker like a Bobby Wagner or Fred Warner or you know the linebackers that are going to be with uh, the Bucks or the Bears being able to work side to side with them and just overall you know being able to outrun them beat them at the point of attack planting your foot getting into the ground exploding around the edge that's going to be key and, and that's where Tank Bisbee Take Bigsby is really going to get his respect, quick feet, straight line speed, but he's not going to have that elite burst to be a constant big play threat. He can be a big play threat, just like I was mentioning earlier. Good receiver, soft hands, only really uses a check down option at Auburn, so he's not going to. We haven't really seen that expansive route tree, but if he can put that into his arsenal, that's really going to help him out. And just a few weaknesses about Tank Bigsby, some things he could really improve on in his game. He does stand, tend to get a little upright at times. I saw that with Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs runs a little lower than Bijan with the pad level. And again, that's going to prolong your career, get your center of gravity lower and just be able to run through, really be able to run through some of those players in the NFL. Again, it's not going to be super elite speed, decent long speed, good acceleration, but a 40 time of four, five, six. Now he's going to be known, like I said, as a power back, but he doesn't have that overall frame to absorb that constant impact over a 17 game season as a workhorse, not being the biggest running back in this draft. Again, he is going to be stout, but combining the 40 time with the height and the weight, you are going to see maybe some discrepancies in his game. And, and clearly that's what we're, we're getting into here. Good hands, but he doesn't show much feel necessarily as a route runner. And, and I kind of feel like that's maybe a disservice to him because he was never really given those opportunities at Auburn. I believe he works on it. He gets that expansive route tree. He gets that recognition. Tank Bigsby can can improve that part of his game. So again, my top five running backs in the NFL draft. Five Tank Bigsby, four Zach Charbonnet, three Devin A. Shane, two Jameer Gibbs, one B. John Robinson. Oops, seems like one of your streams is having connection issues. Standby. Oh, rise up. Top 10 defense. Yeah, you already know, Fred. You already know. Y'all's the stream looking okay? It was saying something about stream connectivity issues. I was really hoping it wasn't saying that it was popping me out. Everything looks all right for the most part. But episode 17 of the NFL with AJL. Let's cue this outro. Let's get out of here. I appreciate everybody. Tune in tonight. Let's go. That's going to wrap up tonight's episode of the NFL with AJL, episode 17, the second mock draft. 
was shown to you guys. OBJ has signed with the Ravens. The Falcons are continuing to push all the chips into the middle of the table for the defense. And I ranked the top five running backs in the NFL draft. Got a little deeper with you guys on that. Please, before we get out of here, like the stream, subscribe on YouTube, add the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. Get at me on social. I love to engage. DM me, get in the comments, whatever you do talk shit about my content i don't care that is totally fine make sure you also review us on podcast platforms as well looking to have a guest on for a friday show looking to have another mock draft doing a live nfl mock draft i think way too hard on these things i think this is my uh third or fourth overall nfl mock draft i've ever done i haven't been too crazy into them but you're like, man, it could go so many different ways. You think about trades. What can this team do? Appreciate y'all for being on episode 17 of the NFL with AJL. We'll be back Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, episode 18, our third NFL mock draft. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. I need you guys because I wouldn't be here without y'all. Appreciate the support. We out.